Love came down. Jesus Christ came down. He didn't have to, but he wanted to because he loved us, each and every one of us. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not? And why not now? Would you open your Bible, please, to 1 John chapter 4? I thought this was a very good uh, place to begin a Christmas message. I want to talk with you on the subject of loving Christmas. And I think that most everyone seems to know that Christmas is supposed to be a time of loving and caring for one another. And when you think about it, would God do anything less? I mean, we're told here in uh, verse number 9, in this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Certainly, God shows his love at Christmas. We're told in verse 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, and that's sort of a common mindset for some people before they receive Christ, is they sort of have an acknowledgement to God and they think that's their way of loving God. It's not true. It's, it's so different after we receive Christ as Savior. Only then do we really understand what, what love of God really is before, before a man or woman receives Christ as Savior. They think they know, but they don't really know what it's like to really love God. I'll give you an illustration of that. Uh, I don't know if it still is this way, but for a long time in many Catholic churches, the Catholic priest, who was never married, never raised children, would try and teach people how to raise their kids. And God bless him, it's just not the same, is it? You don't know what it's like to raise kids until you raise kids. Isn't that it? Something else. You don't know what it's like to be married until you're married. You never really get to know someone until you marry them and you live with them. And then you get to know all of the little uh, weird things. You love them anyhow, of course. But unsaved people, people who have not yet received Jesus Christ as Savior, they don't understand what the love of God is. They don't know. How can they? They can't possibly know what it is to experience God's love and to love God back. But this is a very precious time. And so we're told in verse 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's the important thing, is that God loved us. Did you know that God is not willing that any should perish? That means to die and go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. We're told that very clearly in the Bible. God's not willing that anyone should die and go to hell, but rather that they should be saved. That is the will of God. So verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. There's a word we hardly ever use in the English language, it seems. But the word propitiation means a satisfaction. You see, our sins 
have incurred the wrath of God upon our heads. Sentence is just waiting to be carried out. It's like we've been sentenced or or condemned and we're just waiting for that sentence to happen. That's why men and women need to receive Christ as Savior. They have this life and this life only. No one has a guarantee on tomorrow whether we'll wake up or not. So many people die in their sleep. Others, of course, incur fast, horrible accidents. Every day we're reading in the newspapers and reading online in the news about horrible things that are happening, bombings and shootings and things, and innocent people. Just up um, around Merritt, did you see it in the news last night? A bus crashed and 53 people are taken to the hospital. And uh, the news article that I read reported that there's, there's no word yet if there's any fatalities. But there could be. People on a bus, Christmas Eve, going someplace, expecting to maybe be with friends and family. Boom. You see, that's why today is the day of salvation. So Jesus Christ is our propitiation if we will receive Him. There's no finer illustration of love than the love of God to send His only begotten Son for you and for me. Well, I'd like to look at this subject a little more, a loving Christmas. And first, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for Jesus Christ come into the world to save sinners. I know Paul said he was chief, but some days we feel like, no, we're, we're the chief. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying for us on the cross and rising again the third day. Any man, woman, or young person can be born again and saved if they'll repent of their sin and believe in Jesus. Help us to let our light shine. Just like the Christmas Eve candlelight service is all about letting our light shine. Help us to do that. Bless us now and help us to to learn something from this subject. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back in 1885, a um, Christian lady by the name of Christina Rossetti wrote a wonderful little Christmas poem that was later set to music and made into a Christmas carol. It's a pretty one. We don't sing it at our church, though. Here's the words. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars, star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead. Love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus, but wherewith for sacred sign. Love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and all men. Love for plea and gift and sign. A very pretty little poem. Maybe one day we'll, we'll sing that. And then in 1970... Two Christian men, John Walvoord and Don Wurzen, got together and they wrote a little song entitled, Love Was When. I'm not, I'm not going to sing it, but I'll read you the words. Love was when God became a man, locked in time and space without rank or place. Love was God, 
born of Jewish kin, just a carpenter with some fishermen. Love was when Jesus walked in history. Lovingly, he brought a new life that's free. Love was God nailed to bleed and die to reach and love one such as I. Christmas is definitely about love. The love of God. The devil's been trying hard to take Christ out of Christmas. If Satan can take Christ out of Christmas, he's taken the love out of God. So many places we go, it's politically incorrect to say Merry Christmas. All you can do is say season's greetings. Sad, isn't it? But the devil cannot, he cannot silence the loving message of Christmas. It can't be done. The love of Christ in Christmas was actually strong enough to halt the First World War. This is a story perhaps you're familiar with. Of course, the First World War, any war is a terrible war. But the First World War lasted from the 28th of July, 1914 to November 18th, I'm sorry, November 11th, 1918. The First World War was fought in Europe and Africa and the Middle East and the Pacific Islands and China and off the coast of South and North America. That's why they called it a world war. 16 million people were killed or missing in action. 21 million were wounded. But a small miracle happened early on in the war. In fact, it was Christmas, 1914. The bullets and the bombs and bloodshed on the Western Front gave way to a precious moment of festive peace. On December 24th, the British troops were dug in on one side and far off, the German troops were dug in on the other. Approximately 100,000 soldiers on both sides. In between them lay a stretch of land known as no man's land. That's what they were fighting for. But being Christmas, both sides were decorating their trenches by hanging lanterns to tree branches. And then suddenly, some German troops started singing Silent Night. And the British troops heard them in the distance and they joined in the singing. It wasn't long before a couple of German troops put their heads up over the trenches and looked toward the British. And then some of the British did the same. A few of those German troops dared to lay down their weapons, get up and walk toward the British. And a few of the, the British dared to do the same thing. Of course, there were the Scottish and the French as well involved there. But soon all the troops from both sides lay down their weapons and they all met in the middle in no man's land. And together, many of them shook hands and sang a few Christmas hymns. They exchanged little Christmas gifts with each other, such as buttons from off their jackets and cigarettes and I think also chocolate and maybe bottles of wine and who knows what else. Apparently, one of them, one of the sides pulled out a soccer ball, they called it a football, 
And they, they went at it and they had a game playing football in no man's land. It became known as the, the miracle of Christmas. Put that picture up, would you? And for, uh, let's see now, 108 years now. Did I get the math right? 108 years. They've been sort of celebrating that. I mean, it only lasted a day and a half. And then, of course, they went back to bloodied war, bloodshed, and gruesome, horrible things in the war. But for that day and a half, there was peace because of the love of God in Christmas. Boy, oh boy, you know, if I could have been there, I would have loved to have been there and witnessed that. Of course, everyone from back then is now dead, right? 108 years have gone by. But some of them, as old men, recorded their testimony and what it was like that day. Some of them that actually survived. And they, they talked about it. I'll tell you what. The love of Christ at Christmas is strong enough to halt a world war. It's strong enough to change a mother's heart. I have a poem written by a mother, I don't know who, but she wrote her own rendition of 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you are familiar with that chapter, and we refer to it as the chapter of love. It's a very powerful chapter. And she rewrote it in her own words, and she said, if I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love to my family, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure. You cannot take love out of Christmas. 
it can't be done. God is the one who put it there. The love of God during Christmas is strong enough to halt a world war. The love of God is strong enough to change a mother's heart. But the love of Christ in Christmas was strong enough to make a young boy fight for it. Many, many years ago, while they were still alive, there lived an old Christian couple named Mr. and Mrs. Cooper. They lived in Winona Lake, Indiana, in the United States. Every year, underneath their Christmas tree and very prominently displayed, was a red cardboard with some clippings of three wise men and the words Merry Christmas pasted on it. The author and pastor, Paul Lee Tan, who I think is still alive, he'd be in his 90s now, came to my Bible college and told us this story. I sat there listening. Paul Lee Tan was invited into the Cooper's home many years ago, many, many years ago. He was a guest in their home at Christmas. And Mr. and Mrs. Cooper told Paul Lee Tan the story of this worn-out cardboard. It was 45 years old at that time. It had been placed under the Christmas tree every year. The Cooper's only son had made that little Christmas card in school and he made it for his daddy. On the way home, some bad boys threatened to tear it up. And although he wasn't used to fighting, the Cooper's son took off his coat and he fought them tooth and nail for his gift to his dad. Coopers didn't know anything about it until a neighbor who saw the whole thing told them the story. And so in deep appreciation, as only parents can know, that worn out piece of red cardboard held together with scotch tape in various places every year for almost half a century had been set in front of all the other presents underneath their Christmas tree. It had become more than just a Christmas card because of the sacrifice involved. Did you know that Jesus Christ fought for you? He fought his best fight for you when he died for you on the cross when he took upon you when he took upon himself your sins every last creepy thing you've ever done every last wrong motive wrong thought evil thought wicked action dirty word cuss word every 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 last sin he took upon himself and he paid for it how he did it we don't know. But being God, 
he's able to do some things that we still haven't been able to figure out. Love at Christmas time. Love came down. Jesus Christ came down. He didn't have to, but he wanted to because he loved us, each and every one of us. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not? And why not now? There's nothing holding you back except maybe pride, except maybe sin. It's all I could think of. But if you're here today or if you're watching online and you never yet received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, He is knocking on your heart's door, my friend. But I need remind you the day will come when He will not be knocking on your heart's door ever again. You have the, this opportunity to repent of sin and receive Christ as Savior. If you've done that, and there's been a time in your life where you've honestly, genuinely repented of your sin and you've received Christ as your Savior and you noticed some of the wonderful changes that happen when Jesus comes in your heart. But maybe something has happened. You've stumbled along the way. You've fallen out of touch with the Lord. You've fallen out of step. You're not as faithful as you used to be. You're not as loving back to Him as He is to you. Why don't you... Give him your heart again at Christmas. That'll mean more to him than anything else you could do. Give God your heart. You can do that right where you're sitting. You can do that. In a moment, we'll have prayer. And I'd like to encourage you. And if you're watching online, sitting in the comfort of your home, you pray too. And you can do this too right where you're at. We all can. I'd like you to make this a loving Christmas. Show some love to others, but give your heart to God. Let's bow our head now, close our eyes. We'll have a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.